You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today is episode number one of Wasp Week. Wasp Week is going to be three episodes deep. Uh, we got one today, we got one Wednesday, and one on Friday. And uh, I-, I wanted to do a Wasp Week because they are one of the longest running partners here on the Nine Finger Chronicles. And they, they're, in my opinion, they're like a cornerstone type of company within the hunting industry. They've been around for a while. They continue to, uh, you know, deliver from a product standpoint, right? They don't do anything fancy. You just, you, you, if you ever want to listen to one of the hunting gear podcasts I did with Wasp, they talk about, you know, why do you need to have a new broadhead every year? Why why does this need to be uh, something fancy and special? We've already designed one of the greatest broadheads on the market, in our opinion. And, and why do we want to change it? Why do we want to alter it? You know, they already have so many different options uh, of both mechanicals and fixed blades to choose from. But why? Right. So, so these guys are just, you know, they manufacture uh, a broadhead that straight slays. Right. And it does a lot of damage. And so uh, I'm really happy to be working with them. I love their heads. I've been working with Wasp and, and buying their broadheads from, you know, Shields or Cabela's or or online for years before I even started working with them. And, and I absolutely love the company. I love the people that work there and also uh, the heads themselves, man. They're just, they're just straight dangerous, right? Both, both fixed and uh, fixed blades and they're mechanical. So uh, I guess this is where um, I give a little update. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what's going on, man. I, I'm, I'm slowly starting to come off the rut 
and I'm getting back into business mode right now, right? I, I just started the company Full Sneak Gear, uh, hats, t-shirts, I uh, got some really cool things coming down the pipe within the next couple months, hoping to release the first sweatshirt, uh, hooded sweatshirt by the end of uh, November, maybe in, in time for Christmas, that's the goal anyway. Uh, outside of that, uh, I'm really looking, you know, I'm really changing my mindset towards late season. So here in Iowa, man, certain parts of the state got three, four inches of snow. And now I'm starting to see on on uh, cell cams, deer kind of shifting their areas now. They're coming off of the rut. Doe groups are back together. Uh, yes, there's still deer kind of cruising. I, I got a buck fight on camera the other day, but it's kind of going back to that pre-rut stage, right? It, it's it's just like a, um, a bell curve, right? Ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. The only difference now is I feel the deer herd is tired, right? So yes, they're going to be moving, but they're not going to be as crazy and, and, and hyped up for this pre-rut, like the pre-rut, as they will be for this late season. So it's getting cold. Does have already been bred. Maybe there's a couple does that come back into heat that, you know, they didn't get pregnant uh, or, you know, that, that famous second rut that comes here within the next couple weeks. But really what I'm doing is I'm just monitoring trail cameras at this point, trying to identify a couple deer worth shooting uh, during the late season. And I'm thinking I'm going to buy a muzzleloader. And uh, that's something my wife has expressed interest in as well. And so within the next, you know, 20 days, I think I'm going to go buy a muzzleloader get that set up, get it sighted in. And then long story short, try to kill a, a buck. I have never killed a buck with a gun before. I think the only time I've ever killed a deer with a shotgun was man, a long time ago. And I think I just shot a doe. I might've shot two does in one day, but that was back in the day. That was a long time ago when I was doing deer drives and stuff like that. I lost interest in that. And so since then I haven't done any type of firearm it's all been archery. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to learn how to shoot a muzzleloader, get that uh, kind of all squared away and uh, get that sighted in. There's a package right now at one of the stores that I go visit that has a muzzleloader and a scope for sale uh, fairly cheap. And so I th I'm thinking today, it's Cyber Monday. I'm thinking today I might go in and see if they have any deals on it, uh, discounts on it. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if they can advertise discounts on firearms I, I don't even know the, that stuff anyway that's what I'm kind of that's the mood I'm in right now I'm, I'm back into the business mode I'm back into the work mode I'm back into uh, coaching and or not coaching but uh, you know wrestling mode dance mode uh, what other sport are we doing right now uh, basketball mode and just kind of loving loving life right now I mean it feels good I'm looking at my skull cap of the buck I shot with my bow this year and it feels good to have your goal accomplished for the year. Because really, my goal every year is I want to go out and I want to try to kill a mule deer, right? That's a goal right now. But my goal on those trips is really just to learn how to hunt, right? It's, I don't really care at this point if I'm, if I'm trying to tag out or anything like that. I'm just trying to get in some good stocks. I'm trying to get close to them. I'm trying to learn how these deer move through the terrain, all that stuff. The next thing that uh, my next goal for whitetails is just to connect with a really good representation 
of the area that I hunt in, right? And really what that is, is it's uh, my goal is to connect with the best buck on the properties that I have access to, right? And so I'm not comparing my goal with someone else who lives down the road, who has a, a better managed herd, who has, you know, I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm comparing myself to what I have access to on the farms that I have access to and, and, and choose from those deer. And so that's how, kind of how I go about every year. And I, and I did that this year. I shot a really good buck here in Iowa and I'm, I'm proud of him. And it was some ups and downs, but there's still an opportunity for me to get the, the buck that I shot uh, this late season. And so we'll see what happens. I'm really looking forward to that. Other than that, man, what else am I going to, what else do I need to say today about, uh, about what's going on in my life? Just wrestling mode, man. Tournament wrestling tournaments, just about every weekend now. Um, wrestling is a tough sport, man. And, and it's kind of, kind of reminds me of, of hunting a little bit where when I started wrestling a long time ago, I sucked at it right just like when I started bow hunting I sucked at it but the more I did it the more I learned about it the better I got the better I got the more fun I have and so my kids right now are in the stage of wrestling where my son God if you're if you're in this area if your boy is not hasn't been in my my, my son has been in wrestling for going on two years now right with a total and that's not it we don't go all year round for wrestling we go like four months at a time so he's been in it two months this year and he was in it four months last year so a total of six months of experience from wrestling and he's going up against kids that go every day or uh, every day or every week all year round and they are animals and they just destroy him and so He's still young and he's new and things like that. Same with my daughter, same with my youngest son. And it's frustrating to them because they are learning. It's frustrating because you only want to focus on the W or the win, right? Same with bow hunting. You, it's only a, a lot of people look at it this way. It's only a successful season if I tag out on a big buck. Well, that's not necessarily how I go about life. I go about life as, hey, dude, I know I'm going to take some L's. I know I'm going to lose. I know I'm going to fail. How do I recover from that? And that's how I'm trying to teach my kids uh, with sports and even outdoors. Like my daughter, she was real frustrated during this turkey season because we got close a couple times. But then she didn't, uh, she was getting frustrated and didn't want to hunt anymore because, oh, I can't do it. I'm like, listen, the year before we didn't even get close. Now we got close. The year before, you moved around so much. This year, you didn't move around hardly at all. And so those are big wins that uh, I try to tell my kids about. And so uh, it's just baby steps in life, right? You can't just go from zero to hero in, in one year. Uh, you got It takes time, takes practice, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that process. That's, that's what I enjoy the most. So I've been talking for a while now. Let's do the commercials and let's get into today's episode. Um, so I'm just going to say this. Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, and Huntworth. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast, including the company that I just started, Full Sneak Gear. All right. Full Sneak Gear current, currently running a discount code uh, BLACK, B-L-A-C-K, 1-5, and that's going to get you 15% off of uh, Full Sneak Gear ending today. All right. So I ran a, a Black Friday 
Black Friday slash Cyber Monday uh, deal that's going on right now. So go check that out. Uh, other than that, uh, I know Tethered is, I know Vortex is, I know Code Blue is, and I know Huntworth is. They're all going to be running discount codes today. Um, discount. So I would, if you're interested in any of those, go to, I think even Wasp does too, but go to the, the, what I recommend is going to their social media, look through their posts and see if they're currently running a deal, go to their websites, see if they're currently running a deal and then take advantage of it and let them know that you got, you know, Hey man, I'm heard about this discount code on the nine finger chronicles or i heard about your products on the nine finger chronicles and that just kind of lets me know and lets them know where you heard it and that their their dollars that they're spending on me are working and, and so uh go check out all the brands that support this podcast man they're running deals right now and they're probably going to be running deals all the way up until christmas if i had to guess so go take advantage of those all right uh that's the commercial block for today i wanted to keep it simple Let's get into today's podcast where we're going to be talking with two guys, two bow hunters from Pennsylvania who are working very closely with an organization that reduces overpopulated deer herds in residential areas. And so it's a very interesting, uh, very cool episode, uh, not only about access, but giving people the opportunity to hunt who may not have it, uh, controlling deer herds. What else do they talk about? We're talking about, uh, you know, the, the meat going to less fortunate people and, you know, just the amount of food that they donate every year. A, a fun episode. I know you guys are go- going to enjoy it. It's just a little bit different of an episode than what we usually do, but it, it revolves around whitetail hunting. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. And we'll, we see how other people throughout North America hunt and where they hunt, how they hunt, the strategy behind it. And uh, enjoy. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles Wasp Week. I'm joined by two bow hunters today, Steve Bach and Mike Ward. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Good. Fantastic. Good deal. Good good deal. And so when I was trying to put the lineup for Wasp Week together, I I, I reached out to Fred Dockerty over there and and, uh, he was like, Hey man, I got some guys who, who you need to talk to. They're pretty interesting and they have a pretty cool story to tell. And, uh, and so here you guys are today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we're, uh, I reached out to Fred many years ago, always were shooting, you know, the wasp broadheads and, uh, you know, we do a lot of call hunting population control, um, in urban environments in Pennsylvania. And, uh, kind of bumped into him at an outdoor show and approached him just to kind of get a discount because the <laughs> amount of deer we shoot, we go through broadheads pretty quick. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the whole idea is just to kind of call the herd. Um, and it's just grossly overpopulated where we are. Yeah. Okay. And so that is exactly what we are going to talk about today. Um, is, just I'm I'm gonna lay the scene out here. Uh, you guys live in an urban area somewhere in Pennsylvania, and there is a grossly overpopulated whitetail uh, population. And you guys and the organization that you've created is it is 
one of the groups in charge of calling that that herd, correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So talk to us a little bit about when this started and why this this organization started. Yeah, so I mean it's it started there's a there's a, a lot of organizations um around in our area that that do do this. Um you know it probably started probably twelve or fifteen years now this our organization has been going. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so that that so that was twelve years ago is when you guys started thinning the herd? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and and there's you know and and there's there's plenty of organizations doing it um, in in these these areas too. So we're there's there's we're one of many. Okay. Um, and you know we we started doing it because of the overpopulation of uh, the whitetails in our area. There's been studies shown where you know there's a hundred to a hundred and forty uh, whitetails per square mile. And it is just grossly overpopulated. Yep. You know, you can discuss herd health, you can discuss disease, um, you can discuss um, tech vehicle strikes, um, stuff like that. I mean, it's nothing in our area, even during the, the downtimes of the season where, you know, the, you know, not rut time, you know, there's still deer all over the road. And yep. then rut time comes and it's like you can't you know driving down the road there's they're all over yeah. just from car strikes okay um you know and and people's landscaping realistically too i mean you you know we're in these areas where people go out and spend ten thousand dollars on landscaping and the next morning it's all gone yeah so yeah that's crazy now did do the municipalities do they say hey we're looking for somebody or some organization to come in and take care of this problem? Or did you guys hear about the problem and then come up to the municipalities and be like, Hey, listen, we can help you. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, some municipalities bring in sharpshooters um, mm -hmm. at night and you know, it's, it's contracted out and it's, it's a lot of money. Um, you know, and then there's, you know, programs like, like ours that, um, offer to come in and do it, you know, follow all game commission rules, do it at no cost, mm -hmm. um, for the municipalities and, you know, just try to thin the herd that way. And, and it's, you know, archery, archery only, you know, you're in uh, small properties, you know, a, a larger property for us would be 30 acres. I mean, that would be an extremely large property for us. Yeah. Um, you know, I say you probably average 10 acres, um, of property. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's tight quarters. Yeah. Okay. Now, when the population is that high, I'm assuming that it's very hard to get an accurate number of how many deer are walking around a, a given area. Um, you, you threw a number out, like, would you say 140 deer per square mile in, in that in that area how does the dnr at that point allocate tags to that unit or that zone or the the municipalities themselves to because all these tags have to go through the state correct 
Correct. Yeah. Okay. So how do they how do they allocate the tags for these overpopulated areas? Um, that's probably a really good question. So, uh, you know, I know some of the, the municipalities kind of do their own, you know, as far as, um, you know, drones and this and that to try to aerials and, you know, head counts in that way. Um, you know, is, as far as the state, um, to be honest with you, I'm not hundred percent sure how they're, they're looking at it. I do know in, in these um, special regulation areas, the amount of tags that you can get per area is extremely high compared to the rest of the state. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to be honest, I'm not sure how they how they do that. I don't know if they work with municipalities, um, if the state does or, or not. So then when you guys are going out and killing these deer, do you um, get your tag, do you go and buy your tags or does the organization buy the tags from the state or does the municipality buy them and give them to you? Yeah. So for, for our programs, it's all, we follow all the state, uh, game commission laws. So we actually do buy them, um, from the state. So, and, you know, we, we purchase as, as many as, as we're allowed to have on our limit, you know, at, mm -hmm. at the time on, on our person at the time. And then uh, generally, you know, you can kind of use one, replace one where, where we're at in our, in our unit. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so then as far as the organization is concerned, how, how, why, how is it an organization? What's the difference between like it being an organization and two guys just shooting a ton of deer all, all year round? Like how, how does your organization and the municipality uh, connect and do they reimburse you for your tags or how's that work? Yeah, there's, there's no reimbursement. Um, I think that's kind of the incentive of where, um, you know, they don't have to have a cost out front to bring sharpshooters in, um, and, and go that route. Um, so we work with the municipalities we we go to you know meetings and you know we work with with all of them to to work on um you know there's you know private property they have um that that they allow us to to come on um so we work really close with with all the municipalities and you know we do it where you know we do you know proficiency shooting and and everything else background checks um you know so it's just like a a, a clean slate for, for all of us. Okay. All right. Uh, and then how many people are, are in your little group there? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line um i believe we have up to 20 20 hunters right now okay okay so now yeah. this this now this is making a little bit more sense it's not like it's two dudes slaying, uh, no. like covering these two towns and slaying a whole bunch of stuff Okay. I wish. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what what we have here is like, I don't want to call it a hunt club, but you, you show your proficiency, you sign up 
and then you become part of this organization that has access to all of these properties? Yep. Okay, okay, all right. So my next question is, how do you get permission to get on these properties? It's it's really the uh, township uh, owned property, mm-hmm. um, and then there's private property. Um, you know the 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 township uh, does have like letters of recommendation for us that they send out to homeowners. Um, you know there's, there's a certain level of trust there um, with private property homeowners. Um, so yeah, I mean there's plenty of township property where we're at. And, and they allow us, as long as we're within all of our, our safety zones and everything, um, you know, to, to hunt there. Okay. So are, are you guys hunting like in city parks and like, like parking lots of football stadiums? I mean, is, are, are they that thick? I mean, it, believe it or not, the deer, the deer are there, yeah. but you know, I mean, and there's some slammers at like, you know, there's, there's usually plenty of times where, you know, somebody's at a baseball field and, you know, you have this slammer buck out there, you know, just walking around, just doesn't care. Um, and, and those are, those are where it's like, those deer kind of know where it is safe because we have to follow all the game commission rules. So, um, a lot of times they'll stay within like 50 yards of a structure, um, for archery. Pennsylvania, it's it's 50 yards of any structure that could anybody could use. Yeah. So even if it's a shed, we have to be 50 yards away from a shed. Um. So so it is kind of interesting how it works with that. But um, it, the the properties we hunt are generally uh, township properties. You know, sometimes there's waterways stuff stuff that just are are part of the township where you know, we can get access to if it's off a road or mm-hmm. even if it's through a neighborhood, we can get some, some, uh, egress, you know, from, from a neighbor or something, um, to, to get back there. Some of it's landlocked. So, so there are some challenges with, with gaining access. Um, but the, the property's there, yeah. um, you know, if you get on maps and, and look at aerial maps, I mean, you can find any sort of township, property around at, at least in in pennsylvania um you know as far as like state parks state forest stuff like that um you know we don't we don't have have any of that um even at a county level there's county property we don't even have any of that either okay so it's it's really dialed down to to townships okay and give you know best estimate i don't know if you want to say acres or square miles or uh give us an idea of how big of an area your your twenty some guys cover? You know, you know, I'd, I'd probably say, I mean, the best maybe two hundred fifty acres, three hundred, maybe three hundred. Okay, okay. So then I'm going to do some math here. Or we'll just we'll just say three hundred acres. Okay, twenty guys now. Well, I'm not going to do that that math. 300 acres, and then how many deer are you guys taking off of that that 300 acres every year? About a about 100. We strive for 100. 125 in there, somewhere in there. A a hundred to 125 deer on 300 acres every single year. Yeah, just about. Yeah. Yep. 
That blows. You know, my I mean, Fred for broadheads. Yeah, no doubt, right? And I mean that that blows my mind. So a hundred, uh, you know, hundred to one hundred twenty-five, um, and so so guys are killing three or four deer a year then. Uh, if, yeah, so, like that's like, the average. That's the average. My, my best year, I think I shot fifteen deer. Fifteen. Yeah, my best my best year, I think I was at twenty four. Okay. So I don't know about you guys, but I don't have twenty four you know, or I don't have freezers I don't I don't have enough freezer space for twenty four deer or fifteen deer. Do you guys do like a, a donation uh thing and, and explain how that works? Yeah, so we we definitely donate um a lot of deer, at least the first deer we harvest a year per guy gets donated to Hunters Feeding the Hungry. So it goes out to all local food banks. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it's up to you after that what you want to do. Yeah. So if you want to donate all your deer, you can donate all of them. We have some guys that strictly will donate all their deer. But, um, you know, if if I start shooting more deer, I you know, you just start donating them. And it works out really well. Um, you that know, helps with the townships also showing that we're donating, feeding the local community. Yep. And that just gives them more reason to have us come back every year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing goes to waste. And I can even probably send you some numbers, you know, post podcast about how many meals, you know, because we get to break down each year. You know, we work with, um, uh, a local butcher who takes care of everything, takes care of all the donations, tracks the numbers. Um, he gets a report back of how many meals it yielded, how many pounds and everything else. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Right. So you're, yeah. you're turning a problem into something positive, right? A negative mm-hmm. in, into a, into a positive. Yeah. Um, man, that's really good. And And so how many deer roughly? Out of that one, one hundred to one twenty, get donated every single, every single season. I I would probably say more than half. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, like, I think last year it was more than half. You know, probably sixty percent. Yeah, and that's a that's a lot of poundage, right? Of you know protein, oh, yeah. right there to 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 yeah. hand out to people. Now I know a guy who does something similar to you, and the the. He says he donates it, donate the whole thing or, you know, you know, grind it up and, and donate it. Well, he's like, I can't grind up backstraps like they're just too good <laughs> of a cut. So he doesn't have any like bad cuts. He has all backstraps in his freezer. Right. And so that's like so he walk. he doesn't even take like any ground, I, maybe some, but not a lot. But all his stuff is is, is backstraps. Do you guys do you guys have a, a, a venison issue where you have too, too much of it? Um, I have a lot of hungry eaters in my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, oddly enough, my, my wife, when I first met her, didn't want nothing to do with venison, didn't want to eat it, never had a good experience with it. I started making it for her, turned around, she turned around on it. And now it's, she's kind of like hunting season's coming up. Like you're going to be out there. Right. Because like the freezers get empty. So, um, you know, it, it is, it is interesting. Um, you know, what we kind of end up with, um, you know, we do, I, I got into butchering it because of Steve here. Uh, I mean, 
and anyway, I mean, we eat it all year round. There's that's I don't buy beef. I don't buy anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, okay, so how do you guys? I mean, is is this easy? Like from a strategy standpoint, do you just go into no. a tree and hang, and a deer pops out and you shoot it, or like do you have to put an actual plan together? Yeah, um, sometimes it is easy. Uh, you know, joking around. The one year I sent him to to a property, you know, I was just at, and actually we were just talking about before the podcast. He didn't even. He was like four feet off the ground in his climber, and he's and he had some deer coming through, and he shot it. So sometimes it's easy, but other times it's not. We yeah. still find ourselves doing all the scouting, um, you know, the wind. playing the wind, looking at funnels, pinch points, looking at, you know, um, acorns, you know, oak trees, you know. Uh, so it's, it's, it very much takes all the general tactics and, and you apply it. It's at a much smaller scale. Um, you know, sometimes you can get away with, you know, wind and scent a little more because, you, you know, the person has their laundry 150 <laughs> yards from you. Um, so, you know, there's some tactics there can be a little more relaxed. Mm -hmm. um, but no, it's, it's, it's all the same stuff. And realistically is, you know, we put the time into scouting. We put the time into even, even doing pre-hung sets and everything. And then it can be easy because you reap the benefit of your hard work prior to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's any easier. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this question. How do you keep the violence of killing an animal away from people who don't want to see that? Yeah. So that is a great question. Um, you know, Usually we are in a more wooded section where we make sure not to hunt within some um, areas, even on a pro property, close to where the, the public eye could be. Yeah. We do we do try to act um, as discreet as possible. Um, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're taking the entrails out and everything with us. You know, we're taking the whole deer out. Um, you know, the tarp as you're dragging it out. Yep. So they can't see it. Yeah, we those those jet sleds are, are great. You know, we put it in a sled, you put a tarp over it, you kind of drag it out. Obviously, people, you know, are, are going to see us, but you know, our thing is just be as discreet as possible, respectful as possible, um, you know, and just be mindful. Like yeah. if you know if, if you're if you're sitting there and you have to get a deer out, and there's you know somebody walking their dog, just wait three minutes for them to to walk past, and then then take the deer out. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard these awesome stories, like what you guys are doing, but then I've also heard the horror stories in a situation like this, where, where it's like a guy is doing an, an urban hunt like this, shoots a deer. It runs in a backyard, just gushing blood, both sides tips over in the neighbor's yard during some little girl's birthday party. Like, like I've heard stories like that. And so like what kind of, you know, and, and not every hunt is perfect, right? You don't always double lung a deer and they fall over dead. You want that to happen, but it, it just doesn't happen. So how do you, or maybe it's not even you, the, the municipality talk about 
what you guys are doing in a light that it that that spreads like this positive message and not like, Hey, there's some deer murderers coming to your house. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so the townships are pretty, uh, positive. So these municipalities do try to get pro proactively try to get the message out there of, of, of what's going on. So there is some kind of, of knowledge mm-hmm. of, of it happening. Um, you know, they're, they're great with their residents. They're, they're great with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are plenty of times where, you know, not everything's a double long, you know, we try to set ourselves up even within the small properties of, um, you know, let's, let's hunt here because, you know, if it runs a hundred yards in any way, we're good. You know, we're still in the cover of woods and stuff like that, but you know, I'm, and it's hunting. Yeah. I, you, we've all archery hunted long enough it's going to happen. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times if that deer can bed down and you can sneak out without bumping it, um, you know, you're, you're come back the next day. Yeah. We will let it, we'll let it lay and, and, and come back if we have to, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it is hunting. Yeah. So, you know, this stuff does happen, you know, sometimes residents will, will come out, they want to talk to you. Sometimes they're friendly. Sometimes they're not. Yep. Um, we, we turn one around. Know, yeah, a couple of years ago, I turned one around. I mean, she was just like, "I don't, I don't appreciate what you're doing. You're killing all the deer. You have no right being here." Just like pulled her car over and just just started laying into us. And we often find that they're just not informed enough of what's going on with the deer in the area. That there's not enough food from because these deer are choking themselves out. You know, the, the amount of disease that these they're they're carrying because, you know, Lyme's disease and stuff, you know, and it's just it's just they're kind of uneducated in, in a sense, respectively. They, they don't they don't do it. They, they don't do it. You know, they don't know. They don't learn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there's also almost like a community thing of outreach. Not that we don't do it, but it's, you know, if you run into somebody just you'd be polite, you de-escalate any situation and you know if you can inform them and by the time i was done that conversation she goes you know what i never knew that she goes thank you for informing me and she's like good luck the rest of the season that's awesome so that's awesome yeah have you guys have ever had any i don't know uh negative encounters to where it didn't go like that where you weren't able to educate them or share your thoughts. They had their mind made up that what you were doing was wrong and, and it got out of control. Um, you know, in person, I, I, I knock on wood. I, I really haven't. Um, you know, a lot of times if, if somebody just doesn't like something, they'll kind of say their piece or, you know, if that's like the person they're driving by and, you know, they, might honk at you and make some hand gestures at you. Um, you know, I have, have you Steve? Um, not personally, but there have been guys that have come into the woods, talk to the guys in the tree stands. Um, nothing's gotten physical yeah. or violent or anything like that. It's just, um, we do, like I so said, we do have the support of the, the local police department. So we have their non-emergency numbers. If it gets to that, we can call them and they can come out and do yeah. their thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, deer don't just die where they're supposed to. How, how do you, how do you then, 
for someone who's a big no, I don't want I don't want you shooting the deer on my property. Deer, you shoot a deer, it jumps on their property. Now I don't know what the law in, in Iowa. I don't need permission to cross the fence to go. I have to leave my weapon where I do have permission, but then I can cross the fence and retrieve my deer, right? Um, what do you guys do in that scenario where a deer dies on a property that, or in an area that you are not allowed to go? Yeah. So first off, you should thank your DNR, whoever is running that, <laughs> that law in Iowa, because yeah. that is amazing. Yep. Um, and then uh, for, for us, it, it comes to the fact that you got to go knock on the door and ask for permission. You cannot cross onto that property with a weapon or without a weapon. Mm-hmm. It is it's private property. Um, you know, you can see how the conversation goes. If they answer, um, you know, there's, there's great apps now. You can try to find contact numbers for them and everything. Um, worst case, if you're met with a real hard no, um, you know, it, the game commission actually recommends to call them. You know, they'll try to even come out try to talk to the homeowner, try to go over, you know, what will happen if that deer is not recovered off your property um, and, and stuff like that. So there, there are kind of, you know, uh, ace, you know, in, in our pocket, but you know, that's something where we would definitely have to get them involved. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it sounds like you've had some legal attempts as well to try to get you to quit doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's that that comes about all the time, um, you know, and and it's just you can't please everybody. Right. So, you know, not everybody's going to love what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because people either they either love us or they absolutely hate us. I, I have one property owner. He's like, yeah, if you can come out here with a cannon, take them all out, you know, and then so, you know, it comes back to kind of just assessing the situations, looking at the property, you know, if if there's a homeowner or somebody that is in proximity to the property that we're legally allowed to be on, you know, just assessing it and seeing if it's even worth our our time and efforts because, because sometimes it's not. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have, we have to play nice and and follow all the rules and, and respect everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in your, in your group, how many kids do you have? Like hunters? Yeah, kid, kid hunter, kid hunters. Like, oh, um, uh, we don't, we don't have any, we don't have any junior hunters. Um, you know, we're we're really picky in in um, hunter selection. You know, we make them do proficiency stuff. Understood. You know, proficiency um, shooting, climbing, safety. Um, age limit's twenty. I think we're age limit's twenty one. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's um. And, and it's experience. Like, yeah. like we want to see years of, of, of bow experience and, and how many, you know, how many deer have you taken, um, right. you know, with, within those years. So, cause in, in our area, you know, if, if you've only shot five deer in the last five years, like that's, that's not a lot of experience for us. And in your area, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, like you got, you might be shooting a, a one big buck every year and, you know, you can be fine with that, but yeah. Where we're at, you, it would be weird to see those kind of numbers, um, you know, come through when when we start um, talking to potential hunters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't know if you, I, I understand where you're getting at. Like, you don't want 
there to be any real problems. You want to get in a tree, you want to shoot a deer, you want it to die, and you want to get it out of there, right? Yep. That's the goal. So I can understand why there's no kids involved, but I my, I was just curious where I didn't know if you were, you were also using this as some sort of uh, learning, th- mm-hmm. right? like learning with kids and stuff like that. So obviously not. I mean, but I, dude, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, we, we have private properties as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Steve or, you know, our other buddy, Todd, I mean, there's, there's some of us where we have private properties and, and we have taken out youth hunters and it's just, it has nothing to do with the municipalities and that hunt, but there's, we have other private properties that are within these urban zones. And, and, you know, my buddy Todd, he takes his nephew out. He brings his nephew and introduces his nephew to hunting. You know, I've, I've personally, I've had um, people who own property that they've never hunted. Their kids are interested in hunting. So, you know, I take them out, get them involved. Um, so, so there is, you know, just not to deal with, you know, the municipalities and the hunts we do, but we have other private properties where we do definitely try to keep passing that down because, you know, there's just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of interest anymore from the younger generation. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, what else do we need to know about what you guys are doing, like, like thinning this herd every year. I'm still, I'll be honest. I'm still amazed that on 300 acres every single year, you're shooting hundred to 120 deer and they're still coming back every single year. And like, basically you're, it, it's like you're treading water. Is this, is this working or is it just like keeping the deer population at bay for the time being? Yeah. I, I think some properties is definitely working. Um, you know, I think other properties you're keeping them at bay. Um, you know, in, in recent years, you know, we've seen where it's like, okay, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not as good as it was here, you know, two years ago and, and everything. Um, you know, cause if, if we get on a, sometimes you can get on a 10, 20 acre parcel. And if you remove 10 deer, you know, the, the next year you're like, okay, there's there's less deer here but there's still a lot mm. <laughs> so i you know to answer your question I, I i definitely think it helps um and i definitely think it does keep things at at bay if there was nothing going on i think it would just be insane yeah <laughs> so like you know these these deer are in extreme urban environments um you know, years ago, and I don't know how true it is, but, you know, I heard, like, to sustain a healthy herd, like, eight deer per square mile. And and our, our square miles are urban miles. You're talking pavement. You're talking neighborhoods. You're talking businesses, industrial yards. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these deer are ducking in creek beds, creek cover, um, you know, little strips of woods. The woods might be 100 yards wide. If that Down my house, there's one that's 50 yards wide, and there's – Two big eight pointers, and last year was a big drop time ten back there. Yep, and he knows. <laughs> and he knows. Yeah, he knows he's protected. Like you can't legally get to him. Yeah. Wow. Because of property boundaries and, and structures, you you can't even even get to him. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, I would I would assume that in your guys's scenario, they would give organizations like yours the ability. I mean, d- does your organization have to have insurance? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So I, 
I don't understand why the municipality would just be like, hey, we could do a lot better job at calling this herd if we could get a little closer to buildings. If we could maybe hunt 10 feet from a building, right, or, or whatever, and then just know that, hey, if our, anyone in our organization causes any damage, then we will pay, then it will be paid for, through our insurance. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, but again, we're following the state game laws. Yeah. And, you know, the, the municipalities yeah. can't override that. So yeah. I would say our hands are tied, yeah. but there's, get it. there's not much because we function under the state laws. I mean, there's private properties where they give us permission to hunt. We could lean up against their house and hunt right from their back deck if they want. Yeah. Yeah. For the municipalities, it. it's the. It's the, the state game laws, that's all. Yep, I got you. Okay. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you can name the obvious, but then also talk about some other things that may we may not be aware of, of some of the damage that this overpopulation uh, of deer is doing to the landscape. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, crop damage is, is an obvious thing. Um, you know, our cornfields our soybean fields um you know they they just get pretty much mowed down for the most part i mean it wouldn't be anything to see a uh, hundred deer in in a 20 acre field um at, at any given time if you would go out in glass um you know the the funny thing is when you say landscaping you know it's like it, there's plenty of people they they go out and spend all this money. They get their house professionally landscaped and, and the deer just come up and wipe it out overnight. And, and it's not just like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll sit there and they trim down the arborvitaes. All, all of our arborvitaes in the area, like what's all it's yeah, it's just like the arborvitae green growth is at like five feet. So it's like stalked out and then you can see where it starts. Yep. Um, Yep. You know, they, they just mow everything down because there's there's not enough food to really sustain them for yeah. health and I was, growth. I was talking you know? to a guy uh, who hunts in eastern Pennsylvania. Um, and so I am, uh, I used to work for a company here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that had a sister company in King of Prussia. And so mm -hmm. we would fly out there. And what Ooh. you guys were talking about was very noticeable. The, there was literally no green from the dirt to about five, six foot, nothing. Yep. And it was all, I mean, it was all toast. And then, you know, I, I took a drive through Valley Forge and I saw like oh, what thousands. felt that felt like thousands yeah. of deer, yeah. right? So I saw this huge 160 sitting under a tree and, and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, and he's protected. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, Valley Forge, actually, I believe Valley Forge does a, a, a call hunt themselves. They organize it. You know, I they get the, the, the sharpshooters in there, in there. Yeah. I mean, there's, and, you know, I'm not 100% sure on that, but yeah, I know Valley Forge does some hunts. Um, you know, the, those, those areas, it's just, it's insane. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where the, all these special regulation areas are in the state. Yeah. Yeah. Are there communities out there that, or whether it's communities or counties that have an issue like that, but are not addressing it? I, I mean, I'm sure there is. Yeah, I mean, even where the community I live in, there's they don't do anything about the deer herd. Um, 
it's just, you know, the municipality I'm in, um, there's, there's nothing. I mean, there's, I, I live in a very urban area and where you would, the last place you would ever expect a deer to be walking down the street, it in the middle of a town, you know, they're walking down the street yeah. and there's, there's nothing being done there. Um, and it, it's unfortunate, but you know, they, I guess they rely on private, um, property, but there's not much around. Yeah. Um, you know, these deer are, are bedded, you know, right outside of, you know, 50 yards outside the school door, you know, there's a, there's a Creek bottom there and, you know, they just, they just hang out there all the time. I, yeah. I mean, there, there's some communities where the deer are so tame, they'll just come up and eat out of your hand. I believe but that. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable. Talk about bird feeders. Oh my God. <laughs> the deer will lay underneath the bird feeder and basically wait for you to come out to fill it up. So. <laughs> oh man. So <laughs> that's, that's nuts. And so it's almost like you guys have a little bit of a duty to help call this, you know, you got this organization um, so you ha- in, in some way, shape or form, you have a duty to do that. So does that duty ever interfere in some way, shape or form with the passion, the passion you guys have for hunting deer or is it, is it a hybrid or, um, does it, does it get like tired some at some point? It's a, it's a grind. Um, our, cause our season is, our season starts tomorrow actually for the special regs. And it goes all the way until the end of January, pretty much. There's a two weeks time in, around Christmas that we can't hunt, but it's pretty much the whole time. Yeah. And we're, we're expected to be out there as long as we have tags in our pockets out there trying to shoot deer. Yeah, uh, we still love doing it. I mean, I love shooting deer. I love yeah. just being out in the woods. You see all kinds of neat stuff out there. Yeah, that nobody else really sees. Yeah, yeah, and and even for me, I, I mean. There's times where I'm like, okay, like, I know the alarm, alarm clock's going to go off at 4 a.m., you know, and it's, you know, however many days we're into this now, but um, that, that passion never leaves me. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, it just, it just doesn't, you know, like, I just, I love being outside. I love doing it. It's, it's a way to give back to the community, you know, donate some meat. It's a way to feed my family. I mean, it's, it's really a, a way of life um, for for myself and my family. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I mean, it, it, I just see it, it just being a great opportunity for someone who otherwise, especially in a higher population like this, let's just say there was no hunting in city limits, any type of city limits, the amount of distance you guys would potentially have to travel to go yeah. actually find even public land to go hunt. Yep, and, and public land is far and few between, you know, yeah. even in Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, especially within some of these areas, a lot, a lot of it's just private and, you know, municipality based. Yeah. Okay. Um, now uh, let's get into some brass tacks here. Big bucks. You mentioned there's some big deer running around and everybody is familiar with the, the seek one guys down there in Atlanta. Right. And, and yeah. now they've kind of spread their wings into different, uh, urban settings across the U S and there's some absolute giants out in some of this. I mean, as a matter of fact, there's a guy, I, I've seen the footage. I don't know if it was on YouTube. This was several years ago. The Bucks probably, or that area is 100% developed now. But there was a, a car dealership that kind of butted up next to some history 
some history farm or something where they had like haystacks and old tractors and stuff. And it was the world. They, they didn't measure, they couldn't measure it cause it was still alive. Couldn't be hunted. And it was the world record potential world record, typical white tailed deer in this parking lot of a car dealership. And so they're the big bucks. I mean, big bucks make it. There's no pressure, right? They get, they get old. Have you guys seen some, some giants in your day? Yeah. 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 And, and they're smart. Like they almost know that they have to go near that structure. They, they, I mean, you'll, you'll get them slipping up during the rut. Um, you know, I, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, some one forties get shot, stuff like that. Um, you know, that, that's for our area is actually an outstanding buck. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, I've, I've, we've seen bigger, you know, we, we've seen bigger on trail cam. We've seen bigger, just, you know, bedded up next to a house. You know, they'll, they'll they'll lay by the guy's front door in his mulch bed. They just lay there. They don't care. They know some, somehow they know the difference between you and some guy wearing a polo getting ready to go check his you know, check for his newspaper. Yeah. We should just put on some, some office clothing and walk out there. Well, and talk normal. Like, Hey, what are you yeah, doing today? Yeah. I'm doing no, or come on, get back here. Time for dinner or whatever. And walk right yeah. up to him and you can just shoot him without even having to do any of the work. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. You think about, you think about stuff like that. They're conditioned to a certain type of thing. Then when there's another thing out there that's being sneaky in the woods, then that they, that gets their attention. And so it's like when I, when I go out West to mule deer hunt, I will watch trucks drive by trucks drive by. And these, these, uh, uh in one scenario, these mule deer were bedded and, and actually, uh, like four or five people on horses came riding through the mule deer was looking right at him, but because they didn't stop, he just sat right there. But the second I stop and look at him later, dude, he's gone. And so these animals are amazing. They, they just, they just know, they just Mm -hmm. know what they can get away with. So man, that's cool. yeah, I mean, there's there's times where you know the the, the homeowners are, are coming out and the deer are walking you know right past them while the guy's cooking on his grill and I'm sitting in the stand drooling because whatever he's cooking is blowing down, you know, and I'm like <laughs> like oh that smells good and and the deer are right there by him yeah and not not even by me they just it, 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 you're a hundred percent correct in that in that where they it's like they just they just and know and and like when you're when you were saying like you know, you stop. It's like all of a sudden, like they know they're being hunted or something when you yeah. just like slow down or stop. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's been times where, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to walk in the woods. They're going to, they're going to blow out. I'm going to blow them all out. And, you know, as they're blown out, I'm going to get up in a tree and they're, they're probably just going to come back because if the homeowner's over there and dumping his, you know, landscaping that he just trimmed up, and, you know, he blows them out and then dumps his landscaping, his trimmings, and then he leaves. An hour oh, later, they come back. Half an hour later, deer are like, okay, you know, we're good. So it's almost like a reverse approach yeah. of like, you know, just walk in there and and then, you know, get set. And sometimes, you know, probably half the time, we'll, you might see him again. Yeah. 
here here is here's a question um what about how many deer do you kill per set so you walk out you walk out in in the woods on average i mean are you guys getting skunked ever do you guys ever get skunked or are you like hey man i just want to sit in a tree stand today and and i don't want to shoot anything i mean i always want to shoot something yeah (laughs) but um yeah oh yeah there's plenty of times we'll come up empty-handed but you know on average if you're in in a stand about every three to four sits you should probably have shooting okay now now my my personal best i've shot four in an evening um and i had to stop shooting because i only carry four arrows i mean if i had more arrows i could have shot more that night you know and and you know my my other buddy he was 40 yards from me so the, the deer just walked over to him and then he started like i was cutting them off <laughs> you know so then, then almost he like caught. ping pong uh, yeah pretty much. sometimes you do play ping pong with them wow <laughs> so wow. i don't know what you know yours is in an evening but that's probably yeah probably about the same once every three to four sets yeah okay that that is and it's a lot of work yeah a lot well you know and and so uh the the other guy that i know who does what you do he said i think he said his limit is he knows that he can he can go in and he can shoot three like his max is three a night to comfortably get and get out get and get out get and get out take them you know gut them hang them and then put them in the you know um pack them and then take them to the the cooler at the processor or the the meat yep. in, in the area anything more than that it it gets too long and he gets pissed at himself so <laughs> it's yeah it's like it, it, that at that point so i remember years ago i was new jersey does similar things um you know they, they actually work in a way where they have unlimited does for the most part um in in some of their urban areas and you know, my, my buddy and I, the one night, you know, we were, you have to earn a buck over there. So you have to shoot a doe to even get a buck tag in the early season. And then you can check it in online and everything. So, you know, I was out there and, you know, I, I got a doe. I texted him. I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I got a doe down. This is great. I'm getting ready to check it in. He's like, okay, no problem. So I checked that in. I had another doe come in, got her, check her in. And then because they're like running away and it gave me just enough time to like check this thing in on an app and then knock another arrow, another doe comes in. And then, so it, I mean, it was just, it was 2 AM by the time we were all said and done. And I, I remember sitting at his house at 2 AM having a little makers and eating, you know, burgers that he had kind of venison burgers that he had prepared, you know, just in his freezer. And that's when we got around to eating dinner. I mean, it was phenomenal night yeah. but it just like like you said it that's where you know the work begins and you know even my father has always said he's like once you squeeze that trigger that's when your work begins oh yeah it's, you know how much work are do you really want to do yeah there's time i'll shoot one i'm like i'm getting down and taking care of it i got stuff to do yeah <laughs> oh yeah i'll tell you this man i shot two does not in an urban setting i shot two does in one night Oh, maybe five years ago. And I I don't know if I'll ever shoot two deer again, unless I shoot a doe and then a big buck comes through. Like I I hated it. I, I I just hated every moment of, of having to skin out two deer and, and, you know, 
get everything ready for the processor. Yeah, it yep. sucked, and I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Well, that that's the one nice thing about our you know our processors around here. We just have to gut them. We don't yeah. even have to skin them. Yep. Um, you know, we can donate them. So there is you can kind of have some quick turnaround time there if you want. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> it is a lot of work, you know. And and then but and as long as it temps right, you know, we'll yeah. be out there hunting. And it's like, all right, I saw that deer go down. I can physically see it. I know where it is. Easy track job, you know, or no track job. Yeah. But um. You know, and we'll be like, well, let's just sit the rest of the evening because as long as the temperatures are fine, you know, that, that deer can lay there another hour or two and we'll see if we get more. Yep. Yep. Have you guys seen some pretty strange things from the tree stand? Like, because I'm sure, you know, it's like you get there in the morning, it's dark. People are starting to wake up. Lights are coming on. You don't want to be a peeping Tom, but, you know, it's like, hey, it's right there. It's hard to not look or, or like some weirdo walking through the woods I, I i take it you guys have seen everything so 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 I, I started laughing immediately when you started introducing that question um yeah i mean as far as like the household stuff like we're we're far enough away where we really can't see that okay but um as far as the weirdos walking through <laughs> the woods and, and doing things to themselves that they think nobody's around. Oh my and then, God. Then, then like, you know, like 20 minutes later, they come back around and they see you and their jaw hits the ground. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's some interesting stuff. You know, I, I would say probably the most interesting thing you see is just some kids trying to sneak away, teenage kids trying to sneak away from their parents and like smoke a cigarette or, you know, like <laughs> just like stupid teenage kid stuff. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it, it happens. I mean, and that's, that's everywhere. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, where we hunt. Oh my so. God. I can just imagine, I can just imagine what you're, you're talking about. Like when you said that and I, <laughs> I had a thought pop in my head, I imagined some dude hanging from a tree and another dude butt naked, just like walking through the woods. <laughs> and, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Do you, you ever yell at them and be like, you'll go blind, and then they think it's like God talking to them or something like that? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I, I think I was just, I was absolutely speechless when that was going on. Yeah. I, mean, I, well, I was texting him about yeah. it, but I was just like, you're never going to believe what just happened. What I just saw. Okay. Yeah. Now, what I didn't want to see. Now, explain every moment of that in detail here right now. <laughs> Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. 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 We do see cool stuff too. I've seen foxes catch rabbits and I've seen a a hawk catch a squirrel one time. It's it's just stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But he said urban setting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He wants a good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some, you know, nature's boring right Let, let's talk about <laughs> humans. <laughs> humans let's talk about humans yeah well that's awesome i mean you guys are doing a good thing i mean it sounds like you keep busy it sounds like you can just about as hunt as much as you want uh and, and keep going back until the tags are 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 gone and you know yep. 15 24 deer in a, in a single year man that's man those are the best yeah you know i would say average eight to ten 12, yeah, maybe. eight to 12 still, you know, I mean, still, but, that's, and I, and I'm not trying to say that like nonchalant, yeah. but you know, I mean, we average would be, yeah, we put the time in, I mean, I'm out there. Well, that's why you guys are doing it too. 
Uh, yeah, every yeah. every every day after work, you know, if I can get out for an evening, I'm out there Saturday mornings, afternoons. You can't hunt, hunt Sundays. Yeah, Sunday's the day of rest. Oh, that's, that's right. So is so, that is that rule? I, I thought now you're getting like three Sundays, three or four we Sundays. Are. Okay. Three. Three of them, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, three Sundays isn't a lot. Right. <laughs> so, as a couple sits. Yeah. That's, uh, that law was always weird to me. I, I, like, I, I don't even know. I, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It, yeah. It's like the blue laws in Pennsylvania. I was researching it the one time, like car dealerships aren't allowed to open on a Sunday in Pennsylvania. And somehow the, like this blue law with the deer season fell into it. Like it, mm. it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, and I don't know it in and out, but that's just kind of what I've been told. And it's just, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't approach it. Usually Sundays I'm like, okay, I should probably spend some time with my family. Yes. So we're going to spend Sundays cutting up the deer and yeah. vacuum sealing it and put it in the freezer. Yeah. So usually a welcome day of rest. Yeah, it, I think that's probably the state's way of trying to prevent divorce in Pennsylvania yeah. is for yeah. just not having hunting on Sundays. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure it probably helped. You know, my wife's not here, but you know, I'm sure because I mean, I know I push the limit, and but we eat it too. So yeah. I mean, yeah. she sees the benefit of it, and I have three children, so yeah. you know, I mean, it, it it goes. Yep, that's a fact. That's a fact. Well, Steve, Mike, man, I, I really appreciate this uh, conversation today. I, I had a blast, learned a lot, and uh, it's just another style or niche of hunting, specifically bow hunting for whitetails, that goes on in this country. You know, we have so many different uh, ways to hunt, uh, areas to hunt. Deer are literally everywhere, so you need every method to try to get them right and so uh awesome story and i appreciate your uh your guys's time coming on today yeah awesome thanks man thanks a lot appreciate it nice talking to you and there you have it ladies and gentlemen huge shout out to today's guest uh please go visit wasparchery.com enter the discount code nfc20 and take advantage of all of their uh all, all of their products and the discount codes that's 20% off NFC 20 uh, what other company uh, code blue also NFC 20 for 20% off go take advantage of that and then huge shout out to tethered wasp vortex code blue woodman's pal Huntworth, and full sneak gear please go out check out those companies buy their products let them know that you you heard it from me uh, other than that uh, good vibes in Good vibes out. If you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.